You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's check it out. Ready, so let's jump into the Word. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. We're still talking about the God of the impossible. Um, I have uh, been on this subject for some time, and I don't see in the next week or two that I'm going to be off of it, maybe in the next couple of weeks, because uh, I don't know about you guys, but, uh, well, I just know the Holy Spirit has told me to stay on this topic um, because it is vital, it is vital that we believe God's Word. Um, the Bible says we are to live by faith, walk by faith. And so that means that we're, our whole life, in every aspect of our life, we should be in faith. It also teaches us, too, that anything done without faith is a sin. And it says anything done without faith is a sin. So we should be approaching our whole day in faith. We should be like, oh, God, you know what? I, you said you'll send your favor before me, that your favor surrounds me all day today. God, you said that you'll use my life to make a difference in other people's lives. Father, I thank you for opportunity. I thank you for opportunity to minister, to love, to care, to give, to whatever you need me to do, Father. I thank you for opportunity. We should be speaking the word and getting an agreement with God's word about every step we take. I know when we leave on a trip, we pray over our trip. When my family leaves, we pray. When I mean, just I pray over, man, I, it's just, it should be constantly. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. But he also says this, that when you offer a prayer, in James 1, he says, if you ask for wisdom but you don't ask in faith, expect to receive nothing from God. So our, fa- our prayers should be offered in faith. Our prayers should be offered in faith. The reason a lot of prayer doesn't get answered is because it's not offered in faith. You know, I, you know, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't pray. The first thing I ever prayed was to receive salvation, and I believed it. I believed Jesus loved me. I believed that he, he, he died, rose from the dead, and wanted to save my life, and I knew I needed saving. So I believed, yeah, Jesus, I, need, I know I need saving, so there must be a Savior, and I believe it's you. And so that was the first prayer ever prayed, and it, it stuck. I'm still here. Still serving God. So evidently there was some, some, some faith behind it. And any prayer that we operate, offer up in faith will be answered. As long as we do something very vital. And I'm going to talk about uh, what that is. In Hebrews chapter, three, uh, chapter 11, verse 3, it says this. Faith empowers us. Who does faith empower? Us. Our faith doesn't empower God. God's all-powerful all the time. We don't empower him. Our faith empowers us to receive from him. That's what, it, that's what it empowers us to do. So it says, faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's words. We know in Genesis it says, and God wrote, let there be light, and there was light. Is that right? No, that's not right. He didn't say, and God wrote down, let there be light, and there was light. It says, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. So there's two types of words in the Greek that describe God's word. One is logos, which is the written word of God, and one is rhema, which is the spoken word of God. 
in here in this verse, when it says, when it says, uh, Faith empowers us to see that the universe was created and beautifully coordinated by the power of God's word. That is the spoken word. That is rhema word. Otherwise, God spoke it into existence. He spoke it into existence. And so the logos, which is the written word of God, which which we see on the pages, is supposed to come off of these pages because it's alive and powerful. This word is alive. This word is alive and it's powerful. It's supposed to come off these pages and come alive in our heart. And when it becomes alive in our heart, it comes out of our mouth. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I don't have to be around people very long to see if they're in the word or not. Because if I'm in any kind of a difficult situation, or or they are, um, I can tell by their words if they're in the word or in the world in their thinking. It doesn't mean they might not be saved. They might, they might believe that Jesus is Lord and they are saved and going to heaven, but they might have stopped growing from that point on. The Bible differentiates multiple times between the immature Christian and the mature Christian. Talks about the differences in those. The mature Christian has renewed their mind with the word and filled their heart with it And so when things happen, that's what comes out. The immature Christian is always talking about the problem in the world and worldly solutions instead of God's solution. The mature Christian doesn't panic every time something happens. The mature Christian feels the same emotions that immature Christians feel, the same fear, same doubt, same everything, same hurt, but they don't yield to it. That's the difference between a mature Christian and an immature Christian, or that they, they don't give into it. Otherwise, they don't yield to it the rest of their life, or they don't yield to it for a week or a month or a year. They, they're mature, so they're able to handle those, those uh, emotions and, and be able to handle them instead of the emotions handling them. They're handling the emotions. That's the difference between being led by the Spirit and led by the flesh. Because when you're led by the Spirit of God, you're led by the Word of God. And so, but when you're led by the flesh, you're led by your emotions. And those who are mature and have filled their mind and heart with the Word, that's what comes out of their mouth. That's what comes out of their mouth. They might go, oh, no, that's terrible. But then the next thing that comes out of their mouth is, God delivers me from all of my troubles and all of my fears. God heals the brokenhearted. That's the word. The word starts coming out. If you filled your heart and mind with it. If you filled your heart and mind with it. And not only do you speak the word, but you believe it. It's faith-filled. Let me say it again. It's faith-filled because it is faith that empowers us. That's what that scripture says. It's faith that empowers us to even believe that God created something out of nothing. You know, I don't know why I got off on this this morning, but I thought about evolutionary foolishness. The evolutionary theory is so foolish, and it's so it has no real true basis in fact. Now, I've always believed in microevolution. And not, but not macroevolution. I believe that God instilled in the, our planet, instilled in animals, 
plants and human beings an ability to adapt to our circumstances. Not to uh, uh, go through evolution, but to adapt. That's why the same owl that exists here is brown and has the colors of our, of our uh, nature, and the, the same owl is pure white up in the Arctic, the snowy owl. That's why we have a certain fox here, and there'll be a different fox there, but they're both foxes. So God's given us the ability to adapt. That's why people that live near the, e- near the equator are darker skinned than those that live in Scandinavia further away. They're, they're, some of them are white as glue. They look like Elmore's glue. They're so Because they never see the sun. But people who live closer to the equator, they're darker. They get darker and darker and darker and darker. And the more sun there is, the darker the people are. Now, and it's, are, they, are, are, are the people who wa- glue white, are they not people? Are the people that dark, are they not people? No, we're all people. Amen? And so if you check our DNA, they're going to come out a person. So we're all people, but God gave us an ability to adapt. That's called microevolution, an adaptability. But I don't believe in macroevolution. It makes no sense. I believe by faith, and it doesn't take much faith for me to look around this universe and go, there's no way. That someone, somewhere, who we don't know, threw a stick of dynamite in the universe, and it blew up, and voila. That'd be like me throwing a stick of dynamite on bare ground, and my house just fell. Perfect order. And someone said, man, this is cool. You just blow stuff up, you get a house. If that was the case, I'd have all kinds of stuff, because I like blowing stuff up, man. I'd be building, I'd be the best contractor in the country. I'd blow it up and it'd turn into the, you know, a high-rise apartment complex or something, you know. But that's not how it works. No, no. Our faith empowers us to see that God's words created this universe. When he spoke it, it happened. When he spoke it, it happened. So what's, why is that important to us? Well, um, let, let's get just a little bit deeper in the word and we'll look at that. Look, go with me to John chapter 1. We're going to get to the reason why that's vital to us. John chapter 1. Let me say this about faith. Faith is saying that I believe what God has said. You know, if I made you a promise, if I promised my son Colton, I said, Colton, I promise you, um, I promise to buy you a car when you turn 16. And he went and told, he's, you know, he's 13, and he went and told his younger brother, who's 11, and said, hey, dad promised to buy me a car when I turned 16. Now, him, he's not saying that I made dad. He didn't say, hey, I went and told dad he's got to buy me a car at 16. He didn't tell me what to do. I promised him. I promised him at 16 I'll get you a car, I'll buy you a car. So he's only agreeing and quoting me. And when we get in agreement with God's word and we start speaking that word the way he would quote that promise, he'd be like, oh man, I'm telling you, my dad keeps his word. My dad always keeps his promise. He promised me a card 16. He's going to get me a card 16. And he didn't twist my arm to say it. Out of the generosity of my heart, I said, I'll do that for you. Out of the generosity of God's heart, he said this. He said, I've died for you. You're dead to sin and life, and you live to do what's right, and by my stripes you are healed. 
He said, I bore, and Isaiah, he said, I bore your sickness and diseases on the cross. And so if I, if I, if God promises to heal me or promises to fix this situation or promises to deliver me from something or promises me something good and I get in agreement with that promise, am I making God do that or am I just agreeing with what he already promised to do? Now, if I was a liar, Colton wouldn't go tell his brother. He'd go say, man, you know what? Dad said he'll buy me a car at 16, but he's a liar, so I know he won't do it. And that's how some people treat God. God promised to do this, but I think he's a liar, so I don't believe it. But those who believe God, those who believe that God is, that speaks his word and keeps his word, they don't call God a liar. They say, God, you're a truth teller. And you're, you're not only a truth teller, you are the truth. And every promise you've made will come to pass because I believe in you and your promises. Now, some people will say, well, that's that blab it and grab it, you know, blah, 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 blah. I'm not asking God to do something I want him to do. I'm agreeing with God in something he's already promised to do. <clears throat> Just like my son, he's not going and telling, he's not going and telling Tucker, uh, his younger brother, dad's going to get me a car and, and trying to manifest that in the universe like people are talking about now all over social media. He's not trying to manifest. He's just quoting me. He's quoting my promise. I'm the one that said that would happen. Not him. The Bible says we're two or more get in agreement. When they agree together, it will be done. Do you know you and God are two? When you get in agreement with his word, we're going to look at a scripture here in just a moment. He said, when you do that, it will be done. His word will come to pass. Now, let me, let me talk about his word a little bit more. In John chapter 1, in verse 14, it says, In the living expression, which is the word of God. In the word of God, a living expression became a man and lived among us. He gazed, we gazed upon his glory, and the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. The Bible's teaching us right here that Jesus is the Word made manifest. He's saying the Word of God became a man, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He became a man. And so everything you hear and see Jesus do is a promise of what God will do. It's his word manifested. He wanted to show us how his word worked and only his word and only his son and he had to be fully man and fully God could die for our sins. Only, that, that's the only way this could happen. The only way it could happen, why? Because God gave his word to Adam, and he gave Adam, a man, authority and dominion over the earth. And when Adam gave it to Satan, it had to be another man to come back and get it back. But this wasn't a normal man. This was a, a human body inhabited by the almighty word of God. The almighty word. And so... The more you read and get to know this word, the more you're getting to know Jesus. The more of this word you put in you, the more Jesus is in you. 
The closer you get to this word and the more intimate you are with the word, the more intimate you are and the closer you are to Jesus. And he says about his word, my word is alive and powerful. There is power in his word. And when we get in agreement with God's promise in his word, there is power in that if we mix it with faith. In Romans, it said, and they did not believe, or they were, it did, the word had no effect on them because they didn't mix it with faith. We have to mix God's promise, his word, with our faith. We have to mix those two together. Then it, that equals results. But we have to mix it with faith. Did you notice that it said in Hebrews 11, faith, it talked about faith, our faith in him, our faith. We always have to mix his word with faith. Now, I know people come to me, they come to me with various issues, and one of the things I tell them is, listen, get two scriptures, get two promises of God, because the Bible says by two or three witnesses establish a thing. I'll say, get two promises of God or three about that situation and begin to pray that. Begin to pray that. Begin to pray that. You know, I, I understand the power of God to change his word, to change circumstances. I mean, unbelievably. And that's why he said in Ephesians, he said, your battle's not with flesh and blood. You know, when Julie and I struggled in our marriage the first two years, we were fighting each other. I thought it was her versus me. And it was only when I went to my father and began to pray. We fought off and on for two straight years. We had these issues, and we, we were fighting it in the flesh. But when I went to the Father, and I got in the Spirit, and got in agreement with God's Word, three weeks. Our, 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 our whole relationship was healed in three weeks. Fought for two years in the flesh. Three weeks in the Spirit, totally healed. And I was a different man. It changed me. Two years versus three weeks. Why? Because I got in God's word and began to pray out his word. What did I pray? He said this. He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he laid down his life for the church. You laid down your life for your wives. And I began to pray, God, form in me the right heart and right attitude that I laid down my life for my wife as you laid down your life for the church. I didn't stop there. It said, wives... Respect, and respect your husbands and everything, basically. As the church respects Christ, you respect your husbands. Just as you're submitted to Christ, submit to your husbands. Well, I began to pray that over Julie. Two years in the fleshly fought, but when I got in the spirit and got in agreement with God's word, he also said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. He didn't say thing, he said thang. That's how I heard it anyway. And I began to say, I began to say, God, I'm going to get in agreement with your word. And I, I say out of my mouth what you have said. I got a rhema word, a rhema word from God. I began to speak. Rhema is the spoken word. I began to speak. Julie is a good thing. You said, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And Julie is a good thing. I began, I got a hold of Proverbs 31 and began to pray out Proverbs 31 over my wife. 
And at the same time, I start praying over all the things and all the instructions God gave a man on how to lead spiritually his home over me. And I got an agreement with God's word. I got it in my heart, and then it came out of my mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I filled my heart with his word. I renewed my mind, my opinions, my attitudes with his word. And then I began to speak it, and it changed in three weeks. It changed our circumstances that we had fought for two years. That's the power of getting God's word in your mouth. As a matter of fact, you can't even get saved without understanding this principle. He said you first must believe in your and say it out of your Why? Because you first believed because you heard it or read it about who Jesus is. And then, then when you read it or heard it, you put it in your heart. And what is in your heart will eventually come out of your mouth for good or evil. But if you fill your heart and mind with God's word, then you'll believe that he's the God of the impossible because you'll begin to say, God, you said, not me. I'm not twisting your arm to say this, God. You said it out of the goodness of, of your heart, out of your love for us. You said, you said this plainly. You said, if you believe, there's nothing impossible for those who believe. Nothing impossible for those who believe. So God, there's no human circumstance that you have not spoken to, that you have not written about and spoken to. There's no human circumstance, no relationship, not finances, not, you name the situation that humanity faces. There's no obstacle you haven't spoken to, no giant you haven't spoken to, no mountain you haven't spoken to or spoken about. There's no good thing you have not promised. So it doesn't always have to be a negative thing that we're getting an agreement to overcome. It just could be a good thing. You could say, God, I give generously and cheerfully, and you promised, oh, you promised to give uh, cheerfully and generously to me. You said, if I'm generous, you'll be generous. Then it will be given to me. You'll cause people to be generous to me because I'm generous. You promised that. I didn't. I'm just agreeing with your promise because I believe the one who promised keeps his promises. I believe the one who promised is God and never lies, but always tells the truth. I believe this. Put up Isaiah 55, 11. I believe this, this, what you say about your word and what you say about yourself. So shall my word, God's word, be that goes forth from my it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. How does God send his will? How does God send out his power? By the words of his mouth. And when we start quoting our father and standing on his promises and say, God, I'm in agreement with what you have said about me. I agree that Jesus died for my sins. I agree that he rose from the dead. I agree that if I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, I am saved. I'm not going to be saved. I am saved. There's power in agreement. God said in his word, a thou, one, one person in agreement will put a thousand to flight, but when you get two, it'll put 10,000. 
There's power in agreeing with God's word. There's power in getting God's word in your heart and in your mind and speaking it out of your mouth in faith. When you mix faith with God's word, power, power takes place. And your circumstances will begin to change. Go with me. I want to show you a circumstance to Matthew 8 where Jesus is astonished. You don't see Jesus astonished very often. I've seen him in the word. He's shocked by the unbelief of people. But in this case, he's shocked by the faith. I, I, I tell you, I, I, I've said this before about this particular scripture that, man, it would be one of the greatest days in my life if up in heaven Jesus looked and said, I am amazed by your faith, Troy. That would be, that would be one of my greatest days, that Jesus would be amazed by my faith. Can Jesus be amazed by someone's faith? Oh, yeah, happens right here. It happened right here. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5, when Jesus entered the village of Capernaum, a captain in the Roman army approached him asking for a miracle. Lord, he said, I have a, I have a son or servant who is lying in my home, paralyzed and suffering terribly. Jesus responded, I will go with you and heal him. But the Roman officer interjected, Lord, who am I to have you come into my house? He knew as a Roman that Jews weren't allowed to come into his house. So he's like, who am I? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of you to come in my house. I know it's a violation of Jewish law for you to come in my house. And I don't, want, I, don't want, I don't want to ask you to do that, even though Jesus offered. This man is such a man of honor. He says this, I understand your authority. Oh, church family. We just sang that song that Jesus' name is above every dominion, every power and position. Do we really believe that God has that kind of authority? Do you believe that God has authority over sickness and disease? Do you believe that God has authority over winds and storms and mountains and giants and obstacles? Do you believe God has authority to give you favor with people that would never give you favor on their own? That he can take negative circumstances and turn them around for your good. Do you think God has authority to do those things? We say yes. But the rubber meets the road when we're facing those situations and we really have to believe that what he said is true. And all of us in this life are going to face some rubber meets the road moments. No one's exempt from that journey. No one's exempt. Jesus said, the thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come to give life an abundant life. When's the last time you said, that when, when, when something's stealing, killing, and destroying, looked back at it and said, hold on a second, I know where that's come from. That comes from Satan. Satan, you came to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give life and abundant life. In the life and abundant life he came to give me, and that is in my heart, and I'm agreeing with that I have life and abundant life in my body, life and abundant life in my relationships, life and abundant life in this situation, and that situation is above you. That Jesus, the Savior, is above the thief. See, that is speaking. That is standing. That is rubber meets the road. When we stand in those situations and we say, God, I trust you more than these circumstances because you said, because of what you said. And I agree with what you say. That's what he does right here. Listen to this. 
He says, I understand your authority, for I too am a man who walks under authority and have authority over soldiers who serve under me. I can tell one to go or say, that another translation says, I, I say to one, go, and he'll go. And to another, come, and he'll come. I'll say to one, go, and he'll go. And I'll say, say to another one, come, and he'll come. I'll say it. I'll speak in order. I'll command it with my voice and my words, and they obey. That's what he said. Then he says this. Uh, I command my servants, and they'll do whatever I ask. So I know that all you need to do is to stand here and command healing. Speak healing is all you've got to do, Jesus. Just speak it. He said, I'll stand here and command or speak healing over my son, and he will be instantly healed. This is, this is the verse, verse 10. Jesus was astonished. Man. When he heard this and said to those who were following him, he has greater faith than anyone I've encountered Encountered, encountered in Israel. He said, listen to what I'm about to tell you. He's about to say something. And there's power in God's word. The word of God is about to speak. And he said, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Multitudes of Gentiles will stream from the east and west to enter to the heavenly kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But many Israelites born to be heirs of the kingdom will be turned away and banished into the darkness where they will be bitter, weeping, and unbearable anguish. Then Jesus turned to the Roman officer and said, Go home, all that you have, come on, all that you have will be done for you. And his son was healed at that very moment. What did he believe? He believed that if Jesus spoke it, it would come to pass. What does God offer us? What does God ask us to do? That believe if he spoke it, it will come to pass. And get our mouth and our heart in agreement with what he said. In 1 John it says, if you pray according to my will, people say, well, what's the will of God here? Well, let me, give you some, let me give you some scriptures on the will of God. He gives us a whole book on his will. He gives us 66 books on what his will is. He tells us stories in the Old Testament. It says, I'm giving these to you as an example of what I can do and what you can do, what I can do through you when you agree with my word how I want to live through you and in you to accomplish my will. And he gives us all these examples of people believing God and taking him at his word and then getting it in their mouth. Do you know what kind of faith it took? We act like the faith of Abraham and Sarah that when God changed his name from Abram to Abraham, like that was just, well, he just changed his name, just Abram, now he's calling himself Abraham, no big deal. No, that's a big deal. Because people thought he was foolish. Because he got in agreement with God's word and it, did, it looked impossible. It's impossible for you to have a baby. It's impossible for your wife to have a baby. Sarah, it's impossible. It's impossible. But Abraham went, went around saying, I am Abraham, the father of many nations. Why did he say it? Because he just decided one day, I'm going to change my name to Abraham. I'm going to start calling myself the father of many nations, and God's just going to do what I tell him to do. That's not what happened at all. God spoke that to him and told him to change his name. It said, Abraham, you get in agreement with me that what I promised is true. I told you you're going to be the father of many nations. Now you start speaking it and watch what happens. And within just a little period of time, just a few months, when he started speaking his name as Abraham, he'd waited a long time. But when he changed his name to Abraham, almost instantly Sarah got pregnant when he began to get in agreement with what God promised 
Are you in agreement with what God promised you? Are you in agreement with what God has spoken? Are you in agreement with what the world has said or what the circumstances are? We're all challenged by those things, all of us. We're challenged by the emotions of circumstances. We're challenged by the, the, the uh, emotions of feeling things in our body that aren't right. We're challenged by the emotions of, of situations that seem totally out of our control. But what will you say? Who will you agree with? Those emotions or those circumstances? Or will you agree with what God has spoken and what God has said? I challenge you today. Get in agreement with the God who promised because his promises are always yes to us. If we will say amen and get in faith, he said all of my promises are yes to you. If, there's an if, if you will say amen to him, if you will say I agree with what every, everything you said about me, everything you promised me, God, I'm in total agreement with everything you have promised and spoken. Not many amens on that. And his son was healed at that very moment. In that very moment because he knew that whatever Jesus said would come to pass. He trusted him. He trusted Jesus. When we trust God, we, we get the word of God in our mouth. We begin to speak it and speak it and speak it. And every time circumstances speak to us, we speak back to it. I, I've had pain in my body, and I know other people. It's like, man, it hurts all the time. And I'm like, it's, is that pain speaking to you? Oh, yeah, that pain has a loud voice. And I'm like, are you speaking back? Are you letting, are you letting the circumstances do all the talking, or are you doing some talking? Are you, letting those, are you letting the giant doing all the talking? You're not doing any talking. David didn't let that giant do all the talking. As soon as that giant was done, David talked back. He said, oh, yeah, big boy. I don't come against you with sword or spear, but I come against you in the name of my God. He got an agreement. He's like, you can't beat me. You know why he, could, he knew he couldn't beat him? Because of the first thing that he said about Goliath. He said, why are you allowing that uncircumcised Philistine? So what he's saying is, why are you allowing someone with no relationship with God to dominate you when you have a relationship? Go with me to the book of John. John 15. We're going to end right here. John 15. I, think, I believe God, I believe the Spirit of Almighty God is challenging us to get in faith. We live in a time, the Bible says live by faith, walk by faith. We live in a time we need to be walking and living by faith. Otherwise, we will be dominated by our flesh because our flesh is being appealed to every second and minute on every social media, on every phone, every outlet, every commercial. I mean, everything is crying. Satan has, has set it up where our flesh is constantly being pulled on. You don't even have to have a, a phone. Just walk around in our flesh and things are flashing and people are dressing and things are looking. And I mean, it's just constantly that our flesh is being appealed to. And if we live by the flesh, the Bible says, it'll bring death. But if you live by the Spirit, it'll bring life and peace. Peace to you. Life to you. 
So here's what he says in John 15, starting in verse 7. He says, I like this. I like how this is phrased. But if, oh man, when there's an if, when there's an if, that means we have a choice. We have a decision to make. And I like, a friend of mine wrote this to me. He said, instead of saying what if, start saying what is. Instead of saying, what if God did this, start saying what is. That otherwise saying, God said it, I believe it. I believe this. But he says, but if, listen to this, but if you live in life union with me. There's two ifs in this verse. One is, do you have a relationship with me? The reason David knew that Goliath had no right to speak to the children of Israel like that and no right to speak to him like that and took it personal and could kill that giant, the reason he could is because he called him uncircumcised. So what he was saying was he has no relationship with God Almighty. How can that giant with no relationship dominate us that have a relationship? And that's what this is saying. But if you live in your life union with me, otherwise, if you have a relationship with me, I've known people who don't have a relationship with God that they'll get a hold of a scripture and start quoting it. And I'm like, you can quote that all day long, but you don't have a relationship with God. That's why some people in the last day will say, Lord, Lord, look what we did in your name. We did all these things in your name, and Jesus said, I never knew you. Because without a relationship, none of this is possible. You can't just go around... Some strange, some stranger could be walking by Colton and I, and I'm in Walmart saying, I promise you at 16 I'll buy you a car. And that stranger hears me say that and goes around telling everybody, see that guy right there? He promised me a car when I get 16. He could even find out my name and say, see that guy, his name's Troy Smotherman. He promised me a car when I'm 16. If I heard some kid was walking around, a person saying that about me, I'd probably, and, and they, people would say, hey, did you, you promise this a guy a car when you're, I, said, I don't even know who that is. So you can't know who, not, not who, not have a relationship with God and go around quoting his, his promises and say, God promised me this, and God said this, and God said that. God's going to go, I don't know who you are. It's like the seven sons of Sceva went to cast out that demon, and that demon spoke and said, I know Jesus, I know Paul, I don't know you. And beat them bloody, stripped them naked, and kicked them out in the street. Why? No relationship. No relationship, no authority. No relationship, the promises don't apply. So how do you get a relationship? You have to surrender your life to Jesus and believe that he laid down his life for you and then you lay down your life for him that's how you live in life union with him then he says this this gets good right here you ready he says but if you live in life union with me and if my come on church you're not asleep yet are you and if my and if my and if my live Powerfully, that means you've mixed them with faith within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. You know what? Yeah, you can clap for joy. You can say, Well, God's saying whatever you desire, you can pray and get. No, no, no. You got to read the whole thing. That if you have a personal, intimate relationship with Him, 
and, and his words live alive in you, your desires are going to line up with his word. Because you have a relationship. And let me say this, the closer you get to God, the more his word powerfully lives in you, the more your prayer life will be powerful. I said, the more your prayer life, your prayer life will take off and be powerful. Closer you get to him, the more his word lives in you, your prayer life will be, I'm going to say it again, will be powerful. Why am I saying that? Because he said it. He said it. If my word, if you're in relation, personal, intimate relationship with me, and my word's alive in you, man, you'll pray and things will happen. I'll answer your prayers. Then he says this. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who glorify my Father. Mature Christians get their prayers answered. Immature Christians go to heaven, but if they stay immature, they don't get all their prayers answered. Why? Because they're not, they don't know him well enough. They don't, his word is not living in them like that. They've stayed a child. Yes, going to heaven, but stayed extremely immature. But the closer we get to God, the more he wants us to mature in his word live in us. I'm going to end with this scripture. He said this, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. I've heard people quote this scripture and say, just say this, the truth will set you free. The truth, that is, that is not true. It's knowing the truth. That word knowing is an intimate word. It's the same word used in the Hebrew that Adam knew Eve. It is an intimacy that is a closeness and a connection. You have to know the truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. Only having an intimate, personal relationship with him will set you free. Free from what? From being a slave to sin. Free from what else? Eternal death. Free to do what? Overcome sin in your life. Free to do what else? Go to heaven when you die. But you have to know. It's an intimacy. You have to know. Listen. I know there's people in this room right now, because I, I knew I sensed it in first service. You are here today because you have, like a boomerang, you have sin in your life, and you keep trying to get rid of it by your own strength of your will, the strength of your personality. And some of you, it's like a boomerang. You throw it away. You have your strong enough personality and will that you, it's like you threw a boomerang, and it's, it's like gone from your life for a while, but after a while, it comes right back to you, and you're like, Oh my gosh, I thought I whooped that. I thought I beat that. And you've come to a place where you know your human will's not strong enough to defeat sin in your life. Bad habits that keep pulling you down, ripping, ripping relationships apart. You know, it always hurts me when I see people repeating the same mistake over and over and getting the same results. They just get defeated, never getting any victories. And after a while, people just, they just tuck that boomerang in their back pocket and say, I guess this thing's going to be with me the rest of my life. And you're here today because of that. Because of issues like that that you keep repeating, you can't get free from. But I'm here to tell you that if you'll, if you'll surrender your life to Jesus, enter into a relationship with Him, and you know the truth, He'll set you free from that thing that's dogging your path. He'll set you free from that thing that's destroying your life. 
that keeps breaking your relationships and breaking your finances and breaking job opportunities and breaking your children and breaking this circumstance. If you'll get to know him, he'll set you free. And it begins with a simple prayer. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Listen, whether online or here, if you don't know God, you, don't, you know about him. So many, the word many in the last day that say, Lord, Lord, that he says, I don't know you, that is the word most. That means the vast majority of people are going to say, Lord, Lord. And he's going to say, I don't know you. This is personal. This isn't religion that always keeps God at a distance because it's about what you do and don't do. That's religion. No, this is personal. God came personally to die. It was personal to Jesus. He felt every He felt every whip of that lash. He felt those nails go in his hand. He felt the spear in his side. He felt the crown of thorns. He felt every punch and slap. He felt every time they ripped his beard out. He felt every emotion when they mocked him, ridiculed him, made fun of him, demanded that he die and be crucified. He felt the betrayal. He didn't give in to any of those feelings because he wasn't a, a human being like we are. He was fully God and fully human, and he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You might have grown up in a situation similar to mine that I knew about religion, but I had no relationship with God, and I really, I knew right from wrong, but I really measured it based on how much trouble I could get in and, or, not, or get out of. Not really on what was right and wrong in God's eyes. My right and wrong was based on what I could get away with. There was no honor in it. Maybe that's how you've lived. And you're tired of being a slave to that sin and those things, that, that anger, that depression, that thing that just clings to you. That desire for human a, a, a value instead of God's value that you never seem to get from the people you surround yourself with. That fear of failure that's always held you in check, never let you take a chance and step, take a step in faith that's always held you down You've been so afraid that you'd fail, you don't even try. God, through His Son, Jesus, wants to rescue you from that. Wants to save your life. And He didn't give you a life in this life. He said, I came to give life an abundant life. He's talking about this life and the next, but he's talking about this one too. He wants to give you a life worth living and worth giving away. He wants to give you a hope that will never die. He wants to have a personal relationship with you and save you from hell and give you heaven. 
He wants to open up your eyes to see what the real truth is and to know it intimately. To break every lie you've ever believed about yourself or this life and put the truth inside of you so you can clearly see. He wants to deliver you from your past and give you a future. He wants to save you. So, here or online, if you've never prayed, let's, let this be your first prayer. That you surrender your life to Jesus the Lord. If you've known him and you walked away, then you know him. You know he'll take you back. But you also know that he won't be conned or tricked. It has to be a real thing in your heart. So whether it's your first time or your next time, you want to pray and get right with God. And you know in your heart this is, this is real to you. This is a moment that you're like, God, I, I know I'm, I'm a mess and I know I won't be perfect, but man, I'm surrendering my life to you today. I'm coming home today. I'm coming for the first time today. If that's you and you want to pray, I'm going to ask you to do two things. First one is this. On the count of three, online, send us a message that, hey, I, I, I'm praying for the first time or the next time. Send us, that, send us a message. You can message us right there. there. There's that whole conversation that takes place during the sermon. You can do that right there. And then in this room, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand up high and say, it's me. I'm not ashamed. I want to get right with God. And then put that hand down. And then after that, the second thing I'm going to ask you to do is just pray with us. So here we go. On the count of three, send the message. On the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand up. Thank you. All over this room. Wow. God is incredible. You can put those hands down. Thank you. Let's all pray together here and with those online. Let's all pray together. Say this. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. I believe that you love me because you said it. And you sent Jesus out of your love for us, your love for me, to save my life. And he died on a cross for my sin. You raised him from the dead, and he's alive. And because I believe that, I ask that you forgive me of all my sins. And I receive your forgiveness because you promised it. And I say to you, Jesus, from my heart, out of my mouth, that you are the Lord Jesus Christ. And I receive the Holy Spirit coming alive in me. And I thank you now by your spirit and by your word. You teach me how to serve you, how to live for you, how to live a life that only you can give me and give it away. I thank you for receiving me in your kingdom. I know right now I'm on my way to heaven, but until then, to live for you in this life. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God. Let's praise Him. Come on. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.